Okay, I'm joined with Patricia Jones. This is the behind the scenes podcast where we talk to people behind the scenes and find out a bit more about them. Um, so first of all, good evening, Patricia. How are you? Good evening. I'm really well. Lovely to see you. Good to see you too. Um, so just to give you give our viewers a bit of a brief what's going to happen, uh, we're going to just talk about, about you and um, you, hopefully your book as well. We'll get to talk about your book and then uh, we'll go into a bit more about who Patricia is and, and where Patricia has started off. Is that okay? That's great. Perfect. Good, Perfect. good, good. So, right. Patricia, um, tell us about you. So, I'm an actor uh, and I've been an actor for, um, I'd say, all of my adult life, although there was a break in the middle for reasons we might come to. Um, so, yeah, I'm from Newcastle originally and come from a working class background which is really what informed my idea of putting this book together because it's really it, it's it can be not necessarily but it can be quite a different trajectory into the business if you come from a working class background working class or low income let's say because not necessarily the same so that was my background that's where I came from always wanted to be an actor um, wouldn't be deterred no matter what anybody did or said or how they tried to deter me, wouldn't happen. Um, and then really found that as I started to, to take steps forward that I didn't get very much support and I had to find my own way through it. And that was my feeling about putting the book together. So I thought I've got to an age now and a stage in my career where I actually have quite a lot of information. Why don't I share it? put it in one place and share it. So that's what I did. How long have you been working on the book? Uh, so the book actually came out of lockdown. And it's weird because it's sort of been in the back of my mind for, for a while that I had this information. And then I kept, you know, when you start to, go to doubt yourself and second guess yourself, and I kept thinking, well, who's going to want to read it? It might only be no more information than a pamphlet. What should I do? Should I do, do it as a blog? And I talked myself out of it on more than one occasion. And then when we went into lockdown and I had time on my hands, it just kept coming back and coming back. Um, so I started putting it together I think at the end of lockdown three, <laughs> can't remember which one it was now, but round about that time. And I started to just um, make notes about things that I thought might be useful during that time as well. Of course, all classes, workshops, any kind of creative engagement went online. So it meant that I was with groups of people and often younger actors, actors just starting out. And it was the same questions time and time again. And that compounded. I know the answer to this. I know how to help these guys. Um, so I think it took me about, it took, yeah, it took about a year after that before I did all of the research and then put it together. And it changes because it's, it's kind of a living thing in the sense that it's got prices in it and places to train. Those things change. So I'm updating it annually. 
that's when do you consider um putting all that information together because um there'll be a lot of people that'll be uh in similar situations to ourselves where um, you don't know where to go for information. Yeah. And um, obviously with the internet, in, uh, information is saturated and you don't know which ones to trust. So mm -hmm. it's good that you've been able to, to to compile that and put that in a way where people can go, at least I can go here for reference. As you said, the prices and yeah. things may change, um, but at least they can go to those, to those, um, to those to your book for a reference that so, you know almost like a bible for, for yeah, those starting out absolutely absolutely i hope that the tips that i've given um i think they're valid they're things that i've learned from personal experience as well as um things that i've learned along the way and other people's opinions as well so you know casting directors might have a particular opinion on something and i've taken that general opinion might be one or two who think differently about things with a general opinion and put that in so that it, it's it's real it's trustworthy i think i think to for people to understand um it's not an easy thing to do to get into this industry mm. and um especially um for people that are like myself we're from working class um we find it almost alien because you see most of the most of the actors and actresses out there um, that we see are successful um, have all mm. been to your your top schools and they've all had the money and the and the backing behind them. Um, what's the hope for 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 the book and for you know people that are from a working class background and 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 how they can go forward? The hope really is that um, it opens doors to just make the arts more accessible to people. I mean, it's. I, I think it's true, you know, the majority of, of the well-known, oh gosh, I don't know if this is true, a lot of the well-known actors that we know did go through the traditional um, method of going to drama school. There's a lot who didn't. There really, and I discovered this in my research, there's actually quite a lot who didn't. Um, the idea really is that this was just going to help people understand that the business, arts in general, but theatre and, and acting specifically are for everybody. And you don't have to go down expensive routes. Some things are expensive. Some things you might have to save up for, such as a showreel, depending on who you go to. Um, but I've been honest about that as well. And there are ways around that, which I've also given. But yeah, it's just about making everything much more accessible and possible. How, how do you find, how do you find it, it so, you know, you, we talked about um, the both sides. So those that are, have been through the drama schools and those that haven't. Um, if I was to say to you, I, I don't have the funds to go through uh, a drama school, what would, what, would your best, what would your one best advice be? Don't panic. Absolutely don't panic about it. I, when I was going for my very first auditions, I honestly, I tried anything to try and disguise the fact that I hadn't been to drama school. And nobody really asked, to be honest with you. Nobody, I don't think anybody ever said the words, where did you go to drama school? Because what happens is, you're, well, you're either right for a role and people will take a chance on you. And I think that casting has become much more open in that. 
with social media, you know, you, you see people getting cast through um, through different channels as well. So casting is a bit more open. And also when you start to build up a CV, that speaks for itself. And then in the end, you just, you, you have a CV and you go, well, that, that, that's who I am. So don't panic, absolutely. Um, just believe in yourself and trust the process. Uh, don't panic is probably the best thing that you could offer. Because yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we I all mean... do, we all go, oh my God, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. You are. Because one of the things is, you know, we are all absolutely, we're unique. And that's what makes us special. And that's why, um, that's really the key. Just embrace your uniqueness and say, this is what I've got. And this is the offer that I'm going to make to you. If they accept the offer, great. If they don't, move on to the next one. Yeah, good advice. Um, I'm going to ask one question here. And the only reason why I ask it is you may not know too much about it. I, I know very little about it myself. Oh. Um, how do you find the, the the difference between, I don't know if you've spoken to any uh, American actors or anything like that, um, but how do you find the difference between um, how things are done over here compared to, say, abroad in, in places like America? Oh, my goodness. I haven't had a lot of dialogue with American actors. I used to read in um, on a site where, um, yeah, they looked for readers and quite a lot of them came from the States. I think we're given more time here. And I'm saying that with caution because we do get self-tapes that turn around very quickly, but we are taking steps to, to give actors a little bit more time for that. In America, it's just it's very, very quick. Almost everything is done on self-tape there. So even quite big theatre pieces for the first rounds, which is happening here more. Um, Oh gosh, I'm 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 second guessing here, so shoot me down in flames, you know. But it, it almost feels as though we're a little bit more I think we're slightly more lenient here and a little more giving to actors here. The reason why I think the main reason why I ask is um I was speaking to a a, a, a colleague of mine and um it's just something that worked with my personal life hmm. and um they were talking about uh, actors and how they and where they started, you know, where they started from. And they, they said, you know, the difference, one, one of the main differences that they notice is in America, you can work your way up. So it doesn't matter where, again, it doesn't matter if you're working class or whatever, but you can work your way up to um, doing little extra uh, supporting artist roles, full cons, and work your way up just by building up your CV like that. So for those that haven't been to um, an acting school, Mm. Um, or can't afford the acting school, they can at least get on-screen experience, put that on their CV and work their way up. Is that something you feel um, should happen here? Uh, I, I, do you know what? I don't see any reason why it shouldn't. There's a thing about extras and actors, and if you want to be an actor that you don't become an extra. I mean, being an extra is a really difficult job, and those that do it do a great job at it, don't get me wrong, but it's a separate it's a separate job. And for some reason, I've never been be able to understand, the industry is quite happy for you to wait tables or to work behind bars, but not to work on a set in a small role. And it's, it, it, it doesn't, it's never made sense to me. If it became a thing, then I think it would be worthwhile because you learn your craft, you learn the etiquette. 
you learn the language of a set so that you're not intimidated if somebody throws you know a bit of language at you that probably isn't for you or about you anyway but can can throw you so yeah why not do you think working working together with enough people i mean i i i, I believe that you should be able to if you're an actor and you're trying to get into the industry um being on set as you said there um as you described it helps it helps you to um know what certain words mean what certain phrases mm -hmm, mean mm -hmm. um you know move you go on this beat and mm -hmm, you go mm -hmm. on that beat and mm -hmm. you know just, just just there's just little things that people yeah. don't know and if you've never yeah. been on set before especially as, as, as somebody that's new to the game um it, it can be quite intimidating that's so right. I, I, and i guess that's why a lot of um a lot of casting agents don't take those sort of risks if you haven't got that experience i was um I was online and there was a, a guy saying that he is still waiting to try and get on onto a TV show, but everything that he's been going for, I said, you need to have TV experience. Oh. Um, and you, you kind of feel that if that had been, if that had been, if he had been an extra or a supporting artist, he would have, he would have, he would have had TV experience. He mm -hmm. would have mm -hmm. known what to do. So mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully that's something that changes. And again, with your book, um, it just gives people that extra bit of insight as to don't panic. This is yeah. what you need to do. You need to do. You need to. You need to be prepared, and I think that's one of the important things. I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise or counsel or even condone anybody just pitching up and going, "Hey, I can do this." You know, um, I think you need to be prepared. You have to have a real passion for it and you have to have done the groundwork and what I mean by that is you have to have done some training I think um, you know so you go to it doesn't matter if you do student films it doesn't matter if you're training at uh, a, a local center but do something to get you into the practice and you know to be able to move around to be able to walk and talk at the same time to be able to walk and pick up a prop and use it not as easy as it looks <laughs> I think I think a lot of people, um, especially those that be watching this sort of podcast, will will uh, appreciate those sort of yeah. uh, things that we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's very different being on set or being on stage to yeah. um, to being the viewer, and you know. Well, let let me tell you, making a cup of tea in a scene on television suddenly becomes an absolute minefield. Something you do four, five, six times, ten times a day without thinking suddenly becomes the most complicated thing so it's little things like that being comfortable in your own physicality in your own body you know just to go so let's go let's go to the next question a bit off topic what would you what would you say has been your most challenging part about writing this book and um i'll, I'll lead on to something else after that i think the courage to do it first of all um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, second guessing, talking yourself out of things. I wondered how valid it was going to be, whether it was going to get shot down in flames, um, whether anybody would, would be interested in it. So that was the most difficult part, was getting over my own block about, should I just put it out there? Once I did, and I started to contact people in order to do the research, the response was amazing, and I realised that I, I'd had something here. 
Uh, who, who have, if you don't mind me asking, who have you worked with um, in terms of the research? Is it all your own research or have you been working with a small group of friends? Or No, I, d I did it all myself, but I did it based, first of all, on um, places that I know and I've used myself. So basically what happened in, in my personal story, which kind of um, relates to this, I had a career break and I went, uh, I went to live in Italy. Partly, well, I'll come back to that, but I went to live in Italy. And then when I came back, I was restarting again. And the business had changed a lot. So a lot of things had moved online. There were a lot of uh, casting sites and things that had moved online. So I, I was aware that I needed to retrain. I needed to get myself back in the game. I was really rusty. And and you never forget how to do it, but I needed to retrain. So I went out and I found various training places um, near where I lived went to them, tried one, tried another one, found some teachers I liked, uh, maybe some others that didn't resonate quite so much, just because of, you know, who you are. Um, and then I found photographers, I tried a number of them. Uh, as you do, as you change, you use different photographers, and it's all of this information that I'd put together. And then there are some places, such as City Lit in, in London, um, which have been going for donkey's years. And I knew about that, and I know how good their work is. So it was it was a no brainer not to include places like like them. So it was a mixture of the two. Perfect. So you've done all this research. You put it into a book. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, you put it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Is it is it, it is. available as a as a paperback as well? Yes, it is. Yeah. And do you and know? And an ebook. And an ebook. And an ebook. Oh, mm -hmm. perfect. Are you going to put it on an audio book? Somebody suggested that to me, and it's you've asked me that question, so I'm going to say yes, I will. There you go. I'll take the challenge, and I will. It's good because yeah, we have uh, those that are visually impaired, and yeah. um, it, it is those that that are you know also trying to get into the industry and yeah. may not have uh, the certain privileges of. Uh, some others, you know, in terms of money or being able to get somebody to read it for them. Yeah. So an audio book is very helpful and I'm sure people will help. Thank you for that. Um, so let's go back to a bit more about you. So you've been an actress for how long? Uh, well, all of my adult life. So really about 35, 40 years. That's a long time. Oh, yeah, with a little bit, with that little break in the middle. With that little break. Mm -hmm. And when you first started out, um you were saying earlier about uh you know going through your training and 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 doing things but tell us tell us a bit more about that let's 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 delve into into how you got into the industry what what was your why what made you get into it i it was something that i always knew that i wanted to do and i was literally that really annoying kid who at the age of five or six would put on shows in my garage and for literally force the other kids to be in them and I'd write them, I'd choreograph them, you know, I'd do the whole thing. So it was very much, it was there within me. And when I was about uh, 16, I think he had to be 16, I joined a Northumberland Theatre Company, uh, Youth Theatre rather, it doesn't exist anymore. But uh, that was a great, that was a really good training ground. They they treated the, the company like a professional company. So you learned the etiquette of everything. Um, it was really disciplined. You had to know your lines. You, it taught you how to build characters, all of those things. 
And that really, really kind of compounded that this is what I was going to do. I was determined. So by that time, by the time I left, I was 18 and had said, you know, to my mum, this is what I was going to do. That sort of, you know, my mum was really supportive, don't get me wrong, but it was, I don't come from a theatrical background. It was like, where did this come from? And it's not possible. So there wasn't a huge amount of, um, yeah, you know, go out and get it. So um, I got a job as a dental nurse and was working there. I was there for about a year and I didn't tell anybody, but I quit my job as a dental nurse and I'd um, actually gone to do some drama school auditions and I got in. I got into East 15, so I had to break the news to my mum. She was sort of not half not pleased and half pleased. because you know. And uh, I got into East 15 and then I couldn't get a grant to go. Now, this is going back in the days where before you got student loans and things like that, you had to get yeah. a grant and they were discretionary. So because it was for the arts, uh, you, you had to really put forward your case. And I was declined. So um, that seemed to be the end of that story. So I moved to London with my friend who was going to drama school. He went to Drama Centre. We shared a flat together, flat, bedsit, <laughs> they called them then. Um, and he would literally come home from drama school. He'd tell me what he would learn, what he'd learnt, and I'd try and learn that way. So that was the beginning. So from 16 to 18, and then down to London after uh, a year and a half of being a dental nurse. Uh, yeah. I think one of the things that people don't realise, um, again, those that don't work in the industry, they don't realise that people, um, especially when you're starting out and even when you're a bit more established to, to a certain extent, is what sort of other work you have to do to yeah. to, to do, you know, just, mm -hmm. just to just to pay your bills. So yeah. how long were how long were you staying with your friends while in while he was studying in London and um what happened from there? Gosh, so we um we continued to share flats for a long time afterwards. The flats did get a little bit nicer. Um, so, gosh, I, I, I don't know in terms of years. But I think I'd been in London for about a year, and then I got my first job, which was doing uh, a pantomime. And it was touring. It was like a little touring pantomime. So I did that. And I think, if I remember rightly, that's how I got my equity card because you had to have a card to work in those days, yeah. which is another big difference. It's much more open now. You don't. Um, but in those days, you couldn't work. You certainly couldn't work in the West End. You couldn't do a number one tour. Um, and you had to work so many days in and out of town. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a tough slog just to get your card. You got a provisional one, and then it went to a full card. Yeah, like a driver's license, yeah. Never got one of those. I got an equity card, but never got a driver's license. Um, so, yeah, so I did that job. And then I started doing jobs on the London Fringe. And that's where I got a lot of experience. Some of them are awful. Some of them were really good. Some of them were in terrible venues and nobody came. Others were in really good venues and we got the national press would come and we were turning people away so that depends and I do encourage people to do fringe theatre do it with an open heart and an open mind and it is what it is 
it's always experience. So I did that. And then um, I got a call for a play that was, it's the theatre's now The Curve in Leicester, but it was Leicester Haymarket back then. And they were doing a play and they were looking for Geordie actors. And I'd got an agent by this time as well. And um, so that was my first really good job that I went to do this play um, in Leicester. That was my first proper credit, really. Um, I know, again, I know you uh, explained earlier and, you know, taking chances and, and, and getting yourself out there and, and, you know, student films or whatever the film may, whatever the project may be, just trying to get out there. Um, one thing that came up um, a lot while I was researching to do this podcast was was pay mm-hmm. and um, and how much do you do for free before you need to start getting paid? Because, again, everybody knows um especially if you're in one of the major cities london manchester mm-hmm. birmingham um wherever you may be bristol um if you're somewhere where there's a, a thriving industry um you're going to find that the your prices for rent and everything else yeah. is is usually quite high because you want to be close to where the close to the center where everything is happening mm-hmm. um how much free stuff do you think people should do and i say do you feel that more free stuff should be, how can I put this? There should be less free stuff and everybody should get paid at least something or it's just part and parcel? No, I, I think there should be less free stuff. I think that there should be um, there should be some kind of, of structure for payment. Having said that, if you have absolutely nothing you are just you and you like I was there was it I was literally all I had was the body and the clothes that I stood up in and I wanted to act so I did work for free because I didn't have any other option nobody was going to give me a job uh so I did the fringe I did student films and I think I might have done I think I might have done a couple of like little voiceover things and stuff like that for free and that was to build my CV it's a hard one I think you have to reach a decision at some point enough is enough I'm worth more than this and I'm going to be paid for it and it's really very much a personal decision in the sense that you know when you've got so I think once you've got your headshots once you've got a show reel together which we can talk about later. Um, And once you've got a couple of three things on a CV, then maybe just start applying for things that are are paid. Um, Because we should be recompensed for what we do. But if you're coming at it from a position where you're starting with nothing, you might have to do a little bit for free, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. It is the unfortunate nature of the game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is good advice, as you said. Work on your CV, get some things on there. Yeah. Um, all that experience helps, and yeah. uh, as you said, good headshots, good showreel, yeah. and um, put that all together with yeah. your own experiences and your own personality, and hopefully get out there. So mm-hmm. we're going to fast forward a little bit okay. um, to let's go back to maybe before the just before the pandemic. You said you went for you had a career break. Mm -hmm. why was that 
Well, here we go. No, absolutely. No, it's it's really pertinent. And here's another story, which is just coming back into the press right now. So I had got into, so I, I, after all of that working for nothing, you know, doing all of these things, I actually got a four-year contract um, with a television program. So I went to uh, back up to Newcastle and I did a series called Biker Grove, which was a really popular kids series. I know um, it. Do, do you remember it? Oh, of course I do. <laughs> uh, I always think that people are going to be too young to remember it. So I always like talk about it in historical terms. So oh, I show my age. I'm, I'm 40 plus. <laughs> there you go. You see, <laughs> you certainly don't look it. Um, it was a two-year contract, and I remember I spent my last 60 quid getting up to Newcastle. And when I got, went into the, the room, the director said, oh, I'm, I'm not actually sure that you're you're going to match up to the, the two kids that we're looking for. And I and I literally was like, I'm, I'm here now. You're going to you just don't send me straight back out of the room. And uh, he said, well, I, you know, you do look up like the other child, because it was a blended family. It was a family that were coming together. So... Um, he said, okay, sit down and talk to me because we could swap these kids around and you could become their their mum, which is what happened. And so that actually extended into a four-year contract. After that, um, I was kind of flying for a bit and I went off and I did um, quite a, a lot of other bits and pieces of telly. I started to do some good theatre and I thought, this, this is good. I think I've got this now. So I must have got to about 42, something like that. And it was like a tap had turned off and one year passed, the next year passed. I was doing a few voiceovers and things like that. Um, and I think in those two years, the only thing that I'd gone for was like a commercial for a soft drink, something like that, which I didn't get. And I thought, this is it then. I've hit my 40s. I'm a woman. No work for women in their 40s. And so I had a plan B that I would go and live in Italy. So I retrained as a teacher of English as a foreign language, and that's what I did. I went to live in northern Italy. Ended up setting up my own business, learned the language, had my own business and thought, I can't, nothing else I can do now, really. I am an actor. I was actually writing on the board one day, and I thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm going back to England to continue. So I came back and started again. So the reason I went, long answer to a short question, was because I hit that age where... The belief is women stop working. I think that's a fear for a lot of people, um, especially women um, that I've spoken to. Um, is your they, it's that ageism thing where they say, yeah. "Oh, we need somebody that fits this role," and you get to a stage where you're in between roles, and mm-hmm. and there's not enough done to to roles shouldn't be age specific, like. It, all the time you know it shouldn't be oh yeah we need somebody that's young and or we need somebody that's um you know the other side and say we need somebody that's elderly and you go yeah but there's there's a whole there's a whole middle middle ground male actors and for male actors you you can sort of just go oh yeah you just slot in you know it's 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 not it's not as difficult Uh um do do you you see that do you see that changing um since you've since you've started getting back into things um well not until very recently, there's something that's happening at the moment. So Jennifer Coolidge has just won the Golden Globe for, is it White Orchid? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's 61. 
And her acceptance speech really opened the eyes and ears, I think, of a lot of people, because what she did as well was she she, she talked about the struggle that she'd had and, and, and she thanked people who'd given her, you know, the two lines here and the little part here that kept her in and kept her going. And now she's standing with the Golden Globe in her hand and she's 61 and everyone's saying, oh, isn't this amazing? She's brilliant. Um, let's look at older women at the same time happy valley is now airing uh sarah lancashire i don't actually know how old sarah lancashire is but everyone's saying a woman in her 50s so i'm, I'm guessing she's she's someone in her yeah. 50s um but her uh siobhan um finnehan who's playing a sister again a woman in her 50s these are women who are interesting sherwood leslie manville you know and the, the, this group of actors tamsin outhwaite as well i'm um, just being quite vocal at the moment on social media about how stories of of women of that age are actually really interesting we don't just disappear we don't just become mums and then shuffle off to become nanas in adverts we've got a whole world of joy and heartache and laughter and uh naughtiness rudeness you know bad behavior you'd be amazed that's not what's getting out there and i think that's the next i think that's going to be the next big thing you heard it here. i have to i have to agree um there are there, we're noticing now um hopefully and it continues that way we see more women um, behind the camera yeah, um, so. writing those scripts because mm -hmm. they, they tell their stories everybody wants yeah. to tell you know their stories and um whether it's fictional or factual or real life or just whatever it may be um, everybody, there's, there's, as you said, there's so many stories out there. They're not just all the same. Um, I think we've seen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna expose myself. Here. I've watched Bridgerton. Okay, I've watched it. Okay. <laughs> um, I watched a bit as well. Yeah, it, it was for research purposes. It's totally yeah. all research. Um, but they, it's the spin-off of of some of the characters that they're going to be doing from that show. Um, so you've got the Queen, um, yeah. and. I know it's the show is sort of centered around the young cast, but the, the the people that hold that cast together are those that are more senior. So mm -hmm. you've got the queen, you've got the 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 mothers of the families, and you know those, and and how well they have to manage their family. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not a period drama sort of person, mm -hmm. but you know I, I I watched it for research purposes. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot more from from female directors and and what they what they can show they can do yeah. because yeah. We, we've I think the industry has struggled for a while to to get enough women behind the cameras um, for major projects and um, we're hopefully seeing a change in that. Yeah. Um, over the next five years, what do you think? What do you think will happen? Um, what will happen. Yeah, I well, what I hope will happen is exactly what I've said that, this, that that these stories start to come out, that these roles grow and develop, and that you know they become part of mainstream entertainment. Also, that there are more female directors, um, people behind the scenes as well. I, I two, I can't remember if it was two or three jobs I did last year that had female directors and female producers. Um, which was great. Um, might have been two jobs. 
Um, so yeah, so I'm seeing that more and more in in my own experience that that that's happening. Uh, will it happen? I don't know. There's, there's a, I was reading quite a bit on uh, social media yesterday about writers writing for older women, and a lot of writers replied and said, "But we do, but it doesn't get made." Um, and I think that's 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 the point. And that maybe is where we need to channel who are making the programmes. I'm talking about television. I mean, it goes for theatre as well, I guess, to an extent. Um, yeah, that's who we need to channel, the people who are making the programmes, because the work is being written. It's just not being made. That's good that you've mentioned that, because it will just lead me on to this next question. Um, a lot of a lot of writers, a lot of writers out there, um, it always has been, always will be, um, is there enough risk taken, do you feel? Because what we've seen with uh, some of your streaming sites, like, you know, whoever they may be, um, they've taken some risks and given uh, some writers uh, freedom to come up and create something and put it out there. But mm -hmm. over here, do you feel that we take enough risks or should we be taking more risks and should there be a platform for those risks to be taken? Um, so I, and I say that, for example, BBC Two, um, mm -hmm. when it was first sort of coming about, you always had new documentaries on there. You always had things that were not BBC One. Um, and Channel Four, you know, they, they, they sometimes do a lot yeah. um, in terms of uh, putting out new stuff and new ideas out there. But you do feel that once... Uh, once a formula is found, it's then the formula until the next big risk comes along five mm. or 10 years down the line. Do you feel like there should be more more risks in the industry? 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think it happens in theatre more. Um, I think, I'm, I know for sure, like just to, to give an example, live theatre in Newcastle, they do lots of new writing and they have the Elevator Festival and they have a couple of times a year, I think they have new writing festivals where uh, they do scratch nights and things like that. It happens a lot in Manchester as well. Um, and I think it's essential. That's where new writers get to try out, new performers get to try out. Um, we live in a commercial world. And that's that's part of the problem why people maybe are reticent to take those risks. Would the big theatres do it? Sometimes, um, but I, I think it veers more towards we've got to make money. You know, theatres aren't terribly well funded. A lot of them, so they need to they need to get those bums on seats in terms of television well bbc3 is great you know because bbc3 is where a load of the comedy stuff comes out of and a lot of the um the new the new actors and you know things like what was that that normal people and all of that came up all of that was exciting new writing so i think bbc3 still does a great job at that and there are some writing um it's kind of like a competition i think I know that uh, I did a, a web, a short web series that went through to a competition. I've got a feeling it was for UK TV, but I might be wrong there. Um, and then they will whittle down and whoever wins will then get a pilot of their series. So that's 
that's positive. But yeah, of course, there should be more of it. I'll, I'll lead on with uh, lead off with one last question here. Um, you mentioned pilots and uh, mm -hmm. getting a pilot uh, episode or a pilot season or whatever it may be. Um, I, I go back to the Americans with this, where they have mm -hmm. pilot season, and um, you know, so you get lots of lots of new shows. Obviously, it's I know it's they're huge, you know, mm -hmm. states as big as countries over there. Yeah. Um, but they have pilot season where those risks are taken. Mm -hmm. Is that, I've, I've always wondered why it doesn't happen here. No idea. I have no idea, but you're absolutely right. When you think how much else we adopt from the States, that, that that's never happened. Um, I haven't got an answer. It's something that, that could happen. It's something that could happen. It could be that these um, kind of these competitions, if you like, it's not the right word, but I can't really, I'm grasping for the right word. Um, but yeah, these kind of little showcases where people present uh, their, their web series, which then go to maybe the BBC comedy department or they go to UK drama department. And then that, that might be a route through getting work. So I know, I know that some new work is coming through that way. Hmm. Sure. It'll be, like I said, it'll be, for me, it'll be interesting to see because um, it does, I think with those sort of things is it does a few things. It gives people opportunity to work. So, um, you know, if you're working to a budget and you go, look, it's pilot season, they'll say, okay, mm -hmm. we like these scripts. These 50 will, we will work with to see if we can, uh, how it can be, whether it's a film, um, a theatre show or whatever it may be, you know, we can, these are the theatres that we will use, these are the studios that we will use and, and everything else. Um, and if it, it will give people the, the right sort of encouragement to, to to make something that they feel is what other people want to watch. I mean, okay. I, I look at risk, I look at risk when it comes to TV and film and theatre as, as it should always be taken. It is something that has, um, it, it's those that have made the biggest risks in terms of um, how they've made their production and who they've got in. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes when you see somebody, when you watch a film with actors that you don't know, that they're, they're mm -hmm. not your mainstream actors, and you go, mm -hmm. "Okay, wow, that was yeah, that was that was beautifully written, yeah. and then beautifully acted yeah. by the whole ensemble." So you know, yeah. you, you you've got that, and yeah. when you see those things, it then inspires the next generation to go, "Yeah, you know what." that's what I want to do. This mm -hmm. is where I want to go. Um, Absolutely. And then people do their research. People people yeah. find out about these individuals. They yeah. find out about um, their careers and, yeah. and where they've started, like we're finding out with yourself. Um, and then they're able to inspire the next generation as, the, as they're coming through. Um, and I say the next generation, I, that's not to be with age because I'm seeing a lot more people getting into, um, especially theatre work and, and TV work because... Um, because of the pandemic in a lot mm -hmm. of sense going i'm taking that risk you know i'm, I'm gonna take that risk yeah, i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna get into this field because i've always wanted to do it mm -hmm. as you mentioned and i know fully well our parents might not have always wanted us to go that way and have uh, not given us the full support yeah. um but yeah it's 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 something that that we need to hear it's, it's these these sort of stories are the ones that yeah make that make the industry what they what it is, and you know, it, there's lots of people that like these independent films, these independent TV shows, these 
theatre productions that are in theatres that only seat 50 people because it's an intimate setting and yeah. you're right in with the with the um, with the actors as they're on stage. So you know your your close quarters; they're not far away from you. You can feel them breathe. You can you can hear every emotion in their voice, and yeah. it's 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 great to see. It's it's, it's exciting, isn't it? It's what it's it about. Is. Yeah, yeah. It is. And this, you know, this is this is an art form, if you like, as well. If you want to get all airy fairy about it, but you know, it is. It, it's an art, and, and art has to be exciting and challenging and. And cutting edge, and that's what it should be as well. It should challenge us, not just entertain. I think, and anything's possible. That's the point. Just know it is possible. If it's your passion, then it, you can make it possible. You can make it happen. It really is. Um, I'm going to end with one last question because I, I think this one is just a bit of fun. Um, what has what has probably been your what's the longest time you've been on set? So I can say, I, I know, from my experience, I've, I remember being called for something and you had to get into costume and say you're getting there for 4.30 in the morning. And then because it's summertime, they want to get all the daylight hours, you're not finishing until 8 o'clock and then you're back again tomorrow and you do that for a few weeks. What's your longest time on set? Do you mean in terms of hours? Yes. I did a short film and they said it's a morning's work. And I said, yeah, that's, that, that's fine, yeah, I'll go up. And so it was a morning's work and I'd arranged to do things sort of back end of the afternoon in case we overran. I was still there at about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long morning. They didn't say which morning. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that was probably the longest that I'd been. Yeah, on set, just waiting to do something. Perfect. And uh, this one just come to me, and I, I yeah. said I would ask you because um, it'd be interesting to put compile a list of 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 everybody's at some point. Who's your biggest inspiration, and why? Uh, Who inspired you to become Patricia? Oh my god! Gosh, God, I wasn't expecting that. Um. You can say me if you like, it's totally fine. I can, I can say you. I don't know. I think it was really an amalgam of people. Um, I don't know. Well, actually, um, this, is, this, is, this is really out there. Younger, younger viewers, younger listeners may, listeners may have to Google this. She died last week. And there was an Italian actress called Gina Lollabrigida. Yep. And she, yeah, and she made all of these epic um, films. And I remember seeing her when I must have been about four, five. And I think she was playing the Queen of Sheba. And I just fell in love with her because she was beautiful and she had all these long coloured veils on and everything. And I remember after seeing her going into my garden and my mum had like a chiffon scarf and putting this scarf over my head and floating around the garden. And yeah, for about six months, I was Gina Lollabrigida. So I'm going to give her that accolade, Gina Lollabrigida. <laughs> Perfect. So Patricia, one more time, your book, what is it called? So it's, um, it's retitled as it's um, just been re it's just come out again, all updated and revised and everything with new prices etc new information and it's called becoming an actor without the drama thank you very much um i'll leave a link for that 
um, in the okay. comments and everything so people to click and people to buy the book. We strongly recommend it. Um, it will help anybody. Um, yeah. Whether whether you feel that you're you're making strides in the industry or not, um, it's a great book and it's something that you should uh, definitely pick up and just yeah. use as as your go-to every time. Uh, you know, when times are tough and you're and you're 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 a bit struggling as to where to go next, pick up the book and uh, yeah. give it a read. It is. And, and also, actually, there's there's quite a few links and information in there about places where you can go to ask those questions of people as well. So organisations that support and help as well. So, yeah. So make sure you check it out. I'll leave details in the uh, in the in the comments and everything else. So there'll be a link there to, to the page. And uh, yeah, we highly recommend it. Patricia Jones, thank you for your time. Thank you. It's been I hope a you've enjoyed our chat. Um, it would be great to have you on again at some point. Yeah. Um, it's always good to get people back and, and just to catch up to see where they where they are and um, and how things have been. And um, yeah, so it'd be it'd be great to have you back on again. Absolutely, I would love I'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. That's all. This is behind the scenes. See you next time. Mm -hmm.